I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. My name is Elon Jacobson, and deal-making is in my DNA. I'll be here each week talking with entrepreneurs and deal-makers about the crazy obstacles they've faced along their paths, and whether it's nature or nurture driving their success. Expect the unexpected on a deal-maker's DNA. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of A Dealmaker's DNA. I got a fun one today. I have uh, Drew Green. Drew, really appreciate you joining me. want to give a, a bit of an intro before we get going, but I, I just said to Drew before we started uh, the podcast, this is going to be difficult because I went on his LinkedIn and I was looking at the first uh, few things that he's involved in, and then it says, uh, click here to show 28 more. So uh, I don't think I'm going to do you justice, Drew, and I apologize for that in advance. But what you're probably best known for these days is uh, being the, uh, the CEO of, uh, of Indochino. For those that don't know, Indochino is a, a very quick-growing apparel brand with uh, over, uh, over the past 60 years, expanded to 80 showrooms, 800 people, and they produce one-of-a-kind garments. Uh, Drew is also the chairman and founder of Emerge Commerce. Uh, I actually know Emerge quite well. I followed along the story, so that'll be a really interesting one to touch on. And, and like I said, chairman and founder of many other things. So uh, a, a true uh, true starter and serial entrepreneur, even though I don't like the word entrepreneur, but we'll, we'll talk about that as well. So Drew, again, thank you very much for joining me. really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate being on today. And so thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, just really looking forward to this conversation. So thank you. So, Drew, I, I had mentioned to you that, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in the story behind the story. And, and, and I know that as part of that, we're going to touch on some of the, the businesses that you've started and, and, and how you, you know, how you, how you view the world, you know, because obviously with the amount of companies that you've founded and, and, and the chairman of, you have a, probably a unique uh, skill set and a unique way of looking at the world. But I want to take it way back. You know, you, you, you say you're sitting in Vancouver uh, today, but Tell me about the the uh, the origination story. Um, you know, where where did you grow up? What did what did your childhood look like? Yeah, uh, I'm always fascinated because you know it's amazing to me. You know how many people come from different walks of life, and uh, there's there like I said to you before we uh, we hopped on the amount of uh, of similarities and, uh, and commonalities that I've that I've found. You know, speaking to successful entrepreneurs is uh, pretty astounding. Yeah, I know. I'm happy to do that and uh, proud proud of the origins. So, um, you know, go through it. You know, my family immigrated to Canada uh, from Ireland and I grew up in Scarborough. My parents, you know, who I love both dearly, divorced when I was about three seconds old. So, you know, grew up with my mom uh, as a single parent. My mom was a incredible teacher, uh, which to me is one of the one of the most amazing professions in the universe. I would be no good at it, but she was just an amazing teacher. Uh, but we struggled, you know, my mom became a teacher at a time when uh, you didn't need your degree. And, uh, you know, she was so good that she just went right into the classroom and had a wonderful career. But what that did was really left us kind of overdrawn every month, right? My mom and I, uh, we moved 18 times in 18 years in Scarborough, which is a, a suburb of Toronto. You know, luckily, and I, you know, I was actually talking to my other son or one of my sons this uh, last night about it because his grandparents got to watch his game. You know, luckily, I just had the most wonderful grandparents uh, in the world, uh, George Harshaw and Clarice Harshaw. Uh, I moved back in with them probably six of those 18 moves. But George was like a father to me. He was the most amazing man I've ever met still to this day. 
And my grandmother, you know, was like a second mother. And so I was blessed, you know, to have three really, really wonderful people around me all the time that just loved me. And, you know, my wife jokes because, you know, they would always tell me I was more handsome than I actually was. But uh, they really built my confidence. And, you know, I think that's an that was an important lesson for me as a as a father, as a husband, as a entrepreneur, which I know you don't like the word, either do I, you know, in terms of building other people's confidence. And, and uh, yeah, so I, I grew up in Scarborough. I, you know, went to a high school. Uh, I grew up at Galloway and Kingston, which is probably, probably the worst neighborhood in Scarborough. It's pretty rough. Uh, but I was able to go to a high school uh, in northwest part of Scarborough, pretty special place called Bethune. Uh, and fell in love with sports. You know, I was always in sports and it became an outlet for me to, to feel good. And so, you know, that just really carried on through high school, uh, played every sport, football, every sport, but soccer. I'm no good at soccer, uh, but played every sport and, and just really fell in love with basketball, uh, ended up playing university basketball, which again, taught me really valuable lessons about you know, being on a team and and inspiring people and leading and winning and losing and all those things was a good student. I, I would say I wasn't a, a great student. You know, I was a, a great student when I kind of needed to be. Uh, but looking back, I probably should have tried harder. I should have probably applied myself a little bit differently. But of course, you know, really love sports and, you know, found out about girls and all that in high school. So that was amazing. You know, I really wanted to play in the U.S. and, and had an opportunity. I also had an opportunity out here in, at UBC to, to, to get a scholarship and come out and play. But I didn't want to leave home. And uh, I bring that up because it was an important lesson I look back on and, and talk about. Uh, but I was scared. You know, I, I, I had my friends. I had my core boys, which you know, are still my friends and uncles to my sons to this day. Uh, my mom had open heart surgery, so I didn't want to leave her, but I, I was scared to leave Scarborough and, you know, it turned out to be the right decision, I think. And, and, you know, lucky that I stayed, but, but I probably should have taken that chance. I should have probably, you know, embraced the risk, if you will. And I didn't, and that kind of taught me a few things, you know, as I've gone through my, my life. And so anyways, I stayed in, in, you know, I stayed in Toronto, but the problem was with no money. Uh, how was I going to pay for school? And so, you know, I look back, I had this incredible schedule in university where I, I built a business, a business that, you know, required me to be sort of in the place to work at 5 a.m. I then leave, I go to school, I go to practice, and then I go back. I was a trainer, so I would go back at night and train. And I literally was going from like, you know, time I got up at 4 a.m. Till, till nighttime, pretty much for my full university degree. Ended up getting my degree, uh, ended up having wonderful lifelong relationships with my teammates uh, and the school. I'm a big supporter of York University, but I was burnt out. And so I ended up selling my business, which was the first exit, <laughs> uh, first exit I had, uh, which was phenomenal because it gave me a, an amount of capital that I never, you know, never could have imagined at that age. And looking back, frankly, was more money than, you know, both my parents had ever made or saved. And so I took that, I went overseas, I felt like I needed to see the world. And I lived in, you know, Australia, lived in Singapore, visited, you know, about a 21, 22 Asian, Asian countries, not as a backpacker, I went to visit friends, I have a knack for meeting people and, 
and developing relationships. And, you know, every country I went to, I had a friend to stay with and they would show me around. And so it was an, it was a really magical time in my life, came back and, and kind of really got right into the, into the business world. I'm happy to tell you about that, but maybe. Yeah, no, I, I definitely want to go into that, but there's, there's so many things you touched on. I, I wrote myself a bunch of notes, but one of the first things that you mentioned that really struck me was this idea of how your, your grandparents and your, and your mother were able to build your confidence. How do they do that? You know, I'm, I'm always, you know, I think, I think building a child's confidence is so important because I think that it all starts with the, their inner belief. And, you know, as a father, and I'm, I know you're a father as well, I think about that all the time is how do you build their confidence without, you know, taking it too far and, uh, you know, letting them struggle a little bit, right? Because I think that there's, there is a real need for that balance between struggle and confidence, because you clearly struggled. You spoke about moving 18 times, living in a, in a rough neighborhood, but yet the one, the first thing you mentioned was this idea of building, you know, the, them building your confidence. Yeah. And, and I, I, I look at it and I could talk about it from the perspective of being a son and a grandson, but also as a parent, and maybe, maybe I'll do both. So, you know, I think as a, as a, as a young guy, you know, we had a lot of adversity built in, right? We didn't have money for the, the certain things you might want or need. Although I never felt like I was in want, you know, even though there was lots and lots of stuff I didn't have, I, I just, for whatever reason, and, and I think it uh, credit to my grandparents and my, and my mom, we just didn't really focus on those things. And, you know, luckily, you know, I was good at a few things like sports, I was good at public speaking, even from an early age. And they just, you know, what they did was they found out what I was good at and let me do a lot of it. And, you know, whether that's the getting in the car and driving me there or walking me there, or, you know, coming to the game or helping me write a speech to, to win a speech contest in grade five or six or whatever it was, they just, you know, they really, really emphasized what I was good at. And they made, you know, they made sure that I was able to do it and supported that. That's that, you know, that's so, it's so interesting to me because, yeah. you know, one of the things that I speak about a lot is this idea of when someone asks you in an interview, you know, well, what are your three weaknesses? I'm like, who the fuck cares about what your weaknesses are? They're like, there's someone whose strength that is. I'm a huge right. believer in doubling down on your strengths. That's right. And I think that this idea of being well-rounded is really overrated, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, because I've never met someone who's who's well-rounded that's exceptional at anything. Yeah. You, you have to find, I love that, right? Because, yeah, you kind of have to know what you're not good at. You spend five seconds on that and you surround yourself with people that are good at those things. But if you can really, at a young age, figure out what you're good at, what you're really, really good at, your life can be extraordinary. And the sooner, you, the sooner you figure that out, the more extraordinary life will be in, in all aspects. I'm not just talking about money or anything like that. So it's really important. And, and then you kind of hinted at something which I think is important. Like, you know, as a father, you don't want to falsely you know, sort of big somebody up, your son up. I have two sons, so I don't want to falsely, you know, uh, praise them. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with praise. And that's one thing my grandparents and my mom did, you know, consistently. When there was an opportunity to praise me for something, whether it was being polite, whether it was, you know, being a good student to a teacher, being a good friend, being a great athlete, being a good student, whatever it was, they took the moment, right? And they And they said, good job way to go. Oh my God, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. And and I see some parents that don't do that, right? I see some leaders that don't do that. So, you know, my entire life, I think you would tell, people would tell you is that, 
you know, I live it with gratitude and I tell people when they do a great job. Right. And I, and I make sure I, I take that time. Totally agree. But one of the things you said, which I, I really want to dive in a little deeper is you mentioned a couple times, this idea that fear, that fear of moving from Scarborough taught you a whole bunch of lessons for the future. I, I totally agree with that. I think, I think that people don't dive into that feeling of fear as much as they should, because there are a lot of lessons that, 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 that exist, but people want to avoid this idea of fear. They don't, they don't want to fear. They, they don't want to feel fearful. So they just completely remove themselves from it, ignore it. But I think that if you dive right in and you really explore those emotions of, of, of true fear uh, and anxiety, there's so many things you can learn from it. So I'm wondering, you know, what are those lessons that you learned from that fear that you felt about not wanting to leave? Well, I think there's a few lessons. I think one of them is yourself and you, you sort of see what happens when you're not uncomfortable, when you don't you know, necessarily put yourself in a position to do something special, if you will. But you also see it in, in some of the people around you, right? Like I just really, I've learned that in order to, you know, in order to grow, in order to, you know, make stuff happen, there has to be movement, right? And and there's a great book. I I, I thought I got this book from a client uh, when I was 20. It changed my life. Um, and I've given the book out literally 10,000 times now for free. But it talks about having to leave home, quote unquote, right? And and go on a journey. And and not to go into the whole book, but the point of the book is that the actual journey is is the treasure, right? And I know that's been become a more popular statement in the last 10 years. But for me, that changed my life, right? Because I was so obsessed with like, you know, being comfortable, being around my boys, playing ball, you know, making money. So I, I never wanted anything. But then I then I really just, you know, discovered through this book that no, no, I, I got to leave home. There's a big world out there. There's people that are different than, you know, what were basically my brothers, the guys that I grew up with. And, and I, I need to learn from those people. And so I don't know if that makes sense, but that's I, I, I've kind of embraced and we'll talk about the, the business side of it, but I've embraced uh, the desire to be uncomfortable because I think when you're uncomfortable, you have to figure things out, you have to solve, you have to create. And if you're comfortable, you don't necessarily need to to do those things. Right. And that's that that's when you might get into a little bit of a, a stagnant state. And I've never been stagnant. Yeah. You mentioned, you know. First off, what was that book called? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, it's The Alchemist. Uh, by oh, Paul I love, love that book. Yeah, yeah. It's a love special book, right? Yeah. And, uh, awesome. I mean, there's there's dozens of lessons in that book that we could talk about for hours, literally. But I, I think the concept of, you know, ne needing to leave your sheep, <laughs> you know, and needing to to, to go and, and see that world uh, is, is an important one, especially for young, you know, business people or young people in general. I thought you were actually meant, I, I really did think you were, you were going to say The Alchemist, but I, I didn't. Uh, it's an amazing book for those that have not read it. You, you mentioned this, this travel and, you know, the lessons you learned along the way, but you mentioned something that maybe you, you mentioned in passing, but you had a knack for meeting people. I, I kind of have a similar knack and I really do believe it is, it's one of the foundational elements of who I am that has led to my success. I really believe that because I'm, I'm genuinely interested. Like I like being on vacation, jumping in the hot tub, meeting someone who I don't know, having small talk. Like I actually like that. And, and I do think it's super important when you, you know, if, if you, if you want to be a, a business builder and, and I can tell you a number of reasons why I believe that to be true, but I, I would imagine you probably agree with me. 
Now, the question I have is for those people that it's not just innate, because I would imagine just even speaking to you briefly right now, I could just see that it's it's innate. You've probably been like this for most of your life. How does someone hack that skill set in any way if it's not natural for them? Because again, knack for me, people is just so crucial. Yeah, that's uh, it's a great one. I'll refer to something that I think your listeners should shy away from, and it's it's probably totally opposite from what a lot of people give them advice from. So, so going back to one thing, and I won't like I, I you know, I don't like talking about my attributes too much. But one of the things I remember again, my grandparents, my mom saying, "Oh my God, you know what? You are so likable. Like you're such a likable human being." And that's going to carry you to places you've never, you can never imagine. Although I had big dreams and they were right. And I didn't understand what they were saying. Like, I was like, well, does that mean I'm dumb? <laughs> you know, like, am I, am I not smart? But, you know, likability is a, is a real thing. And, you know, even for your listeners that might not think they're likable, I think the, the advice be authentic in my opinion, authentic. And you know what, get away from the word or the, the 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 thrust of this you know networking totally agree i don't network man i don't go to conferences to network i don't i don't want to meet people inauthentically and i don't look i don't seek people out uh because one of the the mottos i live by is i always give more than i take in anything and so i don't you know the whole this whole networking thing and the way to build your career and you know and get out there and network no 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 get out there and meet people because really importantly you're going to meet, they're going to, there's, there's taxi drivers. I lived in New York for 10 years. There's taxi drivers in New York that have taught me as much about life as some, some CEOs I've met, right? Be open, be curious, be authentic, get away from networking. I agree. Cause like you go to these events, there's always an ulterior motive. That's right. Always. That's right. So since, since I started firepower, we have a Thursday drinks where anyone could come. Anyone's allowed to come in. There's one rule, no soliciting. If you want to come and meet people and build authentic relationships, by all means. And like, I, you know, what's funny to me is that I know that it's actually good business sense, regardless of whether it's right or wrong. I think it's right to want to build authentic relationships. It actually makes good business sense, right? Because people, people will remember you if they really believe that you're there communicating with them in an authentic way without you thinking about the next step of what you want to get from them. Right. Like it's it's so obvious when someone wants something for, from you when they're having a discussion with you. Like, I, I think that anyone could see through that. A hundred percent. And you know what? I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with somebody. Well, I shouldn't say there's nothing wrong. I said I, 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 I'm OK with people approaching me because they have, you know, a desire to learn or desire to have something that that maybe I can help them with. But but it's still the connection has to be authentic. Right. I just really believe in like so just a quick little story. When I was in Korea and I was there with a friend I had met in Australia, so I stayed with her for like four weeks and she took me around and I was just, and I was young, right? Like I was 23, 24 and she, I was just amazed because every night I'd go out and we go like, you know, dinner, drinks, karaoke, whatever. And everybody would not let me pay. And everybody was just paying. Everybody was just enjoying. And not that we don't do that in this in North America, but like, there was never something they wanted in return for me. And there's never like, a, a, oh, let's hold back 20 bucks or 100 bucks. Let's just enjoy the night. Let's enjoy each other's company. And, and I just thought that was amazing because it's all cyclical, right? 
it all goes around and around and around. And that's kind of how I live my life, right? Like I said, I, I always, always try to give more than I take. And that's really important. Totally. So let's let's dive back into, you know, you, you come back after all this travel and then you start your, you know, your business life in earnest. So talk to me what, what the, the first, you know, few years looked like. Yeah. So I was in a phase where I was, I felt like, uh, yes, I wanted to make money. Yes, I wanted to build businesses, but to me, success was the experience. So what I mean by that is like, how could I live? Like one of my childhood dreams was to live in New York, right? Literally, like when I, I can remember being grade four, grade five, playing handball, telling my buddy, hey, I'm going to live in New York one day. I don't know why, but I had I had some of these dreams. And, and I just, at that age, I felt like everything needed to be about the experience. It didn't matter how much money I was going to make in that month or that year or that, you know, five years, decade, whatever, I wanted to have the experience. I wanted to meet great people. I wanted to live in different places. I wanted to, you know, do cool things. And so that was really like my twenties, right? Now, along the way, I was accumulating wealth and I was doing some pretty smart things, uh, but it really, really was based on experience. And so when I got back from traveling, a really cool story, I went in uh, to one of my ex-clients and I said, hey, you know what? You started a company. Let me let me help you build it. And uh, I think it's a really cool. It was an email marketing company, and he, I was like, "Let me help you build it." And he said, "Well, okay. I mean, I think you'd be good at this, uh, but let me ask you a question. Do you want to be on the business side, or do you want to be on the creative side?" And uh, I didn't know what he meant, but I answered the question. Like I, I thought when he said creative, I thought he meant like drawing. A, that's not what he meant. But I just said, I want to be on the business side. And so he put me sort of on charge of, of sales as with no technology background, no, you know, no anything. And we built this business really, really quickly. We ended up selling it to DoubleClick. And then I moved to New York. And, uh, and that started a, a pretty cool 20-year journey. So that 20-year 20, 20 journey. I mean, obviously, there's, there's kind of e-com, internet, you know, that... As I look at some of the assets that you're involved in, it's probably a common theme, but pretty random. You know, I looked at the first few and it was like, you know, rental business and a clothing business and an e-com and, uh, you know, insurance. I mean, what's the what's the core thesis that that governs what you do and how you spend your time? Because, uh, you know, time is, is the, the limiting resource. Yeah. So wouldn't it be amazing if we could all live five different lives, right? There's so much I wanted to do as a young man. There's so many things that interest me. And that fire, you know, sits with me today. And so, you know, I guess a few things. So I, I, you know, when I was in the US, I got a little bit comfortable back to that word. You know, I was building, I was part of a publicly traded company, this huge team, really cool people. Some still are are, are some of my best friends, adult best friends, Uh, but it was comfortable. And I wasn't, you know, really starting or building a company that way, but I was just in this really cool groove, but I did get comfortable and, you know, that needed to end. Um, And I didn't end it like, you know, when the company was bought, you know, I had to sort of figure things out. I had to, is this what I want to do? You know, what, what do I want to do? And so I started, you know, again, helping build businesses in the U S but then I started missing Canada and I really like, a lot of, you know, what was happening in Canada, I was really not happy with, you know, entrepreneurs weren't able to raise 
capital enough entrepreneurs not we're not being entrepreneurs i'm using the label the name we don't like but you know there weren't enough builders in canada and it wasn't our fault so to speak right they didn't have the mentors they didn't have the capital they didn't have the know-how they didn't have the inspiration to to dream bigger which i think we've seen a lot of in the last few years and so you know kind of fast forward about 11 years ago i said to myself okay i'm going to move back to canada and I want to do two things. I want to raise my son's Canadian because that also became important to me just, you know, for a lot of different reasons, you know, politics aside, but I just did really love this country and I wanted them to, 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 to be raised Canadian. And then the second thing I wanted to do was just invest in entrepreneurs, invest in including myself, right. And really help people build businesses. And so you know, you mentioned it a little bit, but I've I've started, you know, over 20 companies. Uh, I'm chairman of over 20 companies. I've raised over a billion dollars as a as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as a chairman. I've deployed a lot of my own capital back into the ecosystem. And I've kind of like to up to my point of, you know, living some different lives. You know, I've got I've got this real estate business that which is pretty massive. I've got technology, which I, I have a huge passion for apparel and fashion have always been a huge passion and over the last 11 years we've built you know these companies have to have a combined you know market cap of of almost five billion dollars and so but that wasn't really the goal right the goal was to really create and the goal was to really find good people to work with oh by the way along the way you know i found some people that i didn't want to work with as well right so you gotta you, you gotta figure that out as you go any uh, any common trends on finding some of those uh, frogs, anything you, you you've learned? You know, it's a great question. I don't know if I don't know if I'm smart enough to have a, a really fraud proof, <laughs> you know, uh, whatever it would be called. I I think you know people can fool you, right? People can you know tell you how great you are, and and they can you know become close to you, your family, your friends, and they can fool you, but. I think the most important thing that I've learned is to never waver from who I am. Right. And I'm not perfect, man. Like I make, you know, I make mistakes all the time, but I am who I am and I do things the right way. And if, you know, something comes up, I'm just going to do the right way. Right. And if that means I lose, that's okay. Right. But I am going to do it the right way. I'm going to do it. Uh, and at least in the way that I see is the right way. You mentioned that people would describe you as someone who, who lives their life through the lens of gratitude. Why is gratitude so important? Wow, that's that's a great, great way to ask that question. So I think it's a few things. I think number one is just, I feel like I've been really, really blessed. Like I feel like, you know, although super challenging economically growing up, having my grandparents and my mom there for me the way that they were, my dad who, you know, busted his butt to get in every other weekend to see me as a kid, you know, life's not easy, right? Like, you know this, I mean, it's just not easy. It doesn't matter how successful or, or, or what stage you're in, in that success, it's not easy. And so, you know, going back to saying thank you and, and good job or well done, like, I just feel great when I recognize it personally, you know, it sounds a little weird, but I actually feel, I feel good when I give gratitude, you know, and I feel good when other people win and I can help them win. Um, I feel good when, you know, my sons win or have a lesson, uh, which is, you know, usually coming from losing. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but it's, it's again, 
you know, kind of going back to that, that, that circular feeling of giving more than you take. Uh, that's one of the ways to do that is to, to, to consistently and constantly show gratitude when you can. Yeah. Look, one of the things that you mentioned that I firmly believe in is that people lose sight of, of what life's about. And you, you mentioned that it's about the journey at 100% about the journey and people get trapped in believing that life's about the outcomes and they live for, I'll be happy when this happens. I'll be happy when that happens, where they don't realize that your entire life is that leading up to that thing. And then after that thing and the things an incident time. So yeah. for me, it's like, how, how are you going to live as happily in that journey? And gratitude is probably a good place to start, right? As opposed to being the opposite, you know, and, and, and I find that in, unless you really understand this idea of life being the journey and not the outcome, it's very easy to get trapped in not really caring how you feel on a day-to-day basis. If you really believe that life's about the thing that's going to happen and the outcome that you're striving for, you know, the, 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 the outcome to me is always a byproduct of the journey. It really is. And you know, this man, you're, you're never, you can never achieve something of significance without other people. Right. And so, you know, I mean, it also helps, I think, in just, you know, again, realizing that you're not in this alone, that in order for you to get to wherever it is you want to go, you know, you're going to have to rely on other people. And and sometimes that's scary in, in of itself. Right. But yeah, man, I just think it's super important. And as a father, it's probably I've been a father now for 16 years, you know, and just accentuated because I want I want my sons to live with gratitude. They're, they have a different life than I grew up with. But if I think if that's one of the constants in theirs, they'll be they'll be good human beings. You know, this this other idea that you mentioned, it's it's you know, this this idea of embracing the feeling of uncomfortableness. Yeah. Um, you know, as as I'm as I'm talking to you, I'm like, couldn't agree more with most of what you're saying. Definitely yeah. view uh, life through a similar lens. You know, for me, I use I use the word uncertainty. I have to live with an uncertain future because it makes me feel like I'm living. You know, if I knew what my life was going to be like and there was certainty in the outcomes and certainty in what, you know, what the journey was going to look like, I just don't really understand the point of actually playing the game. So, so that's that I use those words, but I, I'm sure that that's similar to what you what you mean by embrace that idea of uncomfortable. That's right. That's exactly what I mean. And and, and why, why do you think people have such a hard time with that? Because I find it far more exciting. Yeah, I I, I find the idea of being too comfortable or being too certain, extremely uncomfortable. So it's, it's, it's always been interesting to me to think about, you know, most human beings are geared towards be doing whatever they can to be more and more comfortable. Yeah. I, you know, I think this world is a lot like there's so many lessons in, in sports, right? So maybe I'll give you the kind of analogy that I, that I think about when you ask that question, it's like, you know, the Chicago Bulls of the 90s, you know, they were amazingly successful because there was a shooter, there was a defender, there was a rebounder, there was a great coach, all very, very, very different players and different people. And that's our world, right? And so, again, sorry to keep bringing my sons into this, but one of my sons, again, asked me yesterday, he was asking about his uncle, who is a who's a police officer, and he was asking about a story of his uncle when he had a decision to make, he was 25 years old. And one of those decisions was to go and become a cop. The other decision was to partner with a guy that he was working for as a security guard and build a security company. And he probably would be a multimillionaire many times over if he had done the security. I know he would actually, because the guy that did it has done that. 
but he just chose the other route. He wanted comfort. He wanted to know that, you know, he was going to have a paycheck. He wanted to help the world in a different way. And that's okay. Right. Like there's, I'm not, I never say that people need to live your or my life. Like that's the, the risk we can live with the, unknowns that we can live with the uncertainties all those words it's hard right it's not easy it's not for the faint of heart and some people going back to like what are you good at and and knowing what you're good at figuring that out early then going all in that's more important and so yeah sorry to use the basketball analogy but the world's made up of different people not everybody's gonna be an entrepreneur yeah, my, uh, most people probably look at us like we're crazy. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Risk? No way. <laughs> so, too, before I let you go, you know, I, there's a lot of young people that are listening to this that that would love to, you know, be their own boss or, or start something themselves, be a quote unquote entrepreneur. You're surrounded by so many different verticals. If you were giving, you know, your son's advice or someone else's advice that said, you know, I I, I just know I want to build something. What are some of the themes, uh, you know, that you would be doubling down on today as you see the world change? I mean, obviously, e-com is is is, is front and center in your mind, as as evidenced by some of your investments. But are there any other themes that you would want or you would encourage someone to take very seriously? There's so many parts of the economy that I love, like I really, really do love, and that fascinate me, and that obviously we're involved in, you know, and I'm pretty. I'm kind of pretty set in a certain, you know, that a, that a few of them will be themes for decades to come. I think, I think, it, and I've, I mentor a lot of young people outside of starting companies with them or investing in them. One of the key themes I think they need to think about is just their real estate strategy. Whether they're an entrepreneur, whether they're working at a bank, whether they're a lawyer, whether they're a police officer, a teacher, whatever their profession is, I really, really feel like it's important you know, to figure out what you're going to do from a real estate perspective. You asked me what I would talk to my sons about, like whether that's, you know, buying your first home, when, how, where, who, with who. I just think it's really important because I didn't mention this, but like the first thing I did once I had money, and maybe it was because I moved 18 times in 18 years, I never wanted that to happen, is I bought a house. I was 24 years old. It wasn't a big house. I had my, I bought it for my mom and, and, uh, and she lived in one unit and I never moved into the other unit. I ended up renting it out and now we have 30 homes. Right. And so I just think that that's a really, really good foundation for a young business person, forget entrepreneur or professional or, you know, contractor builder, whatever, like figure out your real estate strategy, because that's going to be one of the pillars of your success as you go. And it always has to be long-term, no flipping, no buy and sell, no trying to game the system, buy real estate and hold it. The Sam Zell model. That's right. I mean, the, the real estate we have, I don't even know if my sons will sell it. Like it'll be their sons or, or daughters, et cetera. So just, just buy and, and figure that out. But I think almost every category we could spend an hour on. Like I do think the apparel category is going to change significantly in the next 10, 20 years that fast. Oh, we're going to have virtual clothes. Of course it's going to change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and virtual inventory like into Chino, yeah. right? Like we're our our capacity to expand is limitless because we don't have inventory. So hey, you're going to see a lot of different apparel merchants try to figure that out. Um I I think the one space I'm not in that really intrigues me that I want to become involved in is, is 
you know, space technology and what's going to happen, you know, outside of, of our world. I think that's, that's, that's a major theme, but look, man, like the internet is only in its second inning, right? I say that a lot. Uh, and I don't even know if it's the second, it might be top of the first, like there's a lot of innovation that's going to happen in e-commerce and, you know, all the different aspects of, of the internet. I don't know though, back to my point of living, you know, a full and many lives, like explore your interests, right? Because that's part of the theme for me is that I do the things that I do because there's so many different things that I'm interested in. And I think that's important. So totally. So Drew, as I, as I let you go here, you know, for those that would like to follow along your journey and, and just kind of keep up on what you're up to, is there, is there a better way to do that? I mean, obviously you're on LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn's a good way. I don't always respond on LinkedIn, I think. Um, but, but happy to, to look at that over the next couple of weeks and, uh, you know, on, on Instagram at the Drew Green, but yeah. And I, hopefully you and I can keep, keep in contact, man. I really enjoyed this conversation and, you know, anything that I can ever do to, to help out, you let me know. Appreciate that, Drew. And uh, thank you very much and, uh, for joining me. And, and until next time, everyone. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed what you heard, rate us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time on A Dealmaker's DNA, where you can expect the unexpected.